Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to talk to you about when Satan tries to steal our joy. When Satan tries to steal our joy. This is a message that the Lord put in my heart earlier this week. I really wanted to uh, do the second part of the message that I was talking about Christ in us and being hid with Christ in God. But the more I got through the week, it's like the Lord just kept putting more in my spirit about this. And it, it really began to become very clear to me as the week progressed that this was God's message for this moment. So let's bow our heads and pray and uh, we'll get into this message today. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, I make myself available for the Holy Spirit to flow through, to teach through, to preach through. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear, the hearts to receive, God. Father, I pray, God, that before we leave this place, that we would realize from the front to the back and all around this sanctuary that we have a right to joy. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. In the NIV, in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 28, The Bible says this, The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. In the KJV or the King James Version, the Bible says this, The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. Same thing. The hope of the wicked shall be gladness, but the expectation of the righteous shall perish. So I want to ask you this question. Have you ever felt like You've lost your joy. Have you ever felt that way? Am I the only one? All right, turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor, going to preach today. Going to get in my stuff. Tell him he's going to get in my stuff. Here's another question Do you ever wake up and the thought crosses your mind, I used to be happy? Does that ever happen? Does that ever happen to you? It's happened to me. So here's another question. Could it be that Satan has stolen your joy? You know, when I was putting this together, I I put down, could it be that the enemy has stolen your joy? Could it be that you are challenged in the area of your joy? And every time I would put something else down, it's like the Holy Spirit would say, no, you need to put the word Satan there. Could it be that Satan has stolen your joy? And it lines up with Scripture. The Bible said Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not just talking about things. It's also talking about things like joy. So it's not talking just about temporal things. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about this. I want us to understand in the foundational stages of this message today that Satan attacks our joy on many different fronts, many different areas. He attacks our joy by trying to make us live in a state of constant lack where we, where we sense no peace, no security, and here's a big one, and not enough hours in the day. That's lack, you know. How many remember when you were younger it seemed like the days were longer? Am I the only one that's experiencing that? I mean, when you were younger, it seemed like, let me tell you, 24 hours is 24 hours. It's the enemy 
crowding our days and taking away our time. Now here's my declaration today. It's time to attack lack. No more, no peace. No more, no security. No more, not enough time in the day. We're going to live with joy. Now, there are some losses that God can restore. God can restore maybe a financial loss. And sometimes He can restore maybe if a home has burned. And that is a huge, horrendous loss. But God can restore that. But there are some that, it, that God cannot restore, such as the loss of, a lo- loss of a loved one or things like that. So what do we do during those times, Pastor? Well, with the rest of those things that God can't physically restore to us, He can give us peace. He can give us peace. So the enemy attacks our joy by trying to make us live in a state of constant lack. No peace, no security, not enough time in the day, etc., Then another way that the enemy tries to attack us, according to Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 36, is the enemy will try to attack your joy through family conflict. He'll create strife. He'll create division. And if he can do it, he'll create all-out war in your family. There are two major areas that that Satan loves to attack in. Two major areas. One is he loves to attack in the area of love. And the other is he loves to attack in the area of unity. So the enemy will try to attack your love walk by creating strife, division, and war in your family. And so doing... He will try to create a disunity where God couldn't move if He wanted to. You see, God is bound by His Word. Some people say that God can do anything. No, God is bound by His Word. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 36. A man's foes shall be those of his own household. If the devil's going to attack me to attack this church, the number one front that he's going to attack me on is my family. Because he knows that I love my wife. He knows I love my children. He knows I even love my mother-in-law. <laughs> Corporal Wilkett told me what you told him, Vic. Vic. Shall I share it? He said, you have a wonderful son-in-law and daughter-in-law. And she said, well, I love my daughter. (laughs) I told him, I said, our relationship's just like that. (laughs) We laughed. We laughed. But here's the thing. No one will misuse you like your family. No one will abuse you like your family. No one will misunderstand you like your family because they base everything they see on what they have seen. They see the human you. 
I'm going to give you guys just a little insight into our life, okay? You see me as the pastor. You see me as a man of God. My family sees me that way too, plus dad, husband, take out the trash, help me clean the house, can you let the dogs out person. They see the human side of me. They see me when I'm up. They see me when I'm down. They see me when I'm frustrated. They see me when I'm happy, when I'm sick, when I'm well. They see me. They see me. They see the human side of me. Same with your family. Your family, while they want to believe in you, are going to be some of the most difficult people to convince that God has placed a call upon your life and that God has set you apart for something extraordinary in God. They're going to give you the list of, of why that couldn't possibly happen to you. So the enemy attacks us and the area of our family. Now here's my encouragement to you when that happens. Don't let it steal your joy. Now I'm going to make a very powerful statement here and some of you need to write it down and it will be offensive to some people but if I can say this without sounding cocky or arrogant it will be offensive to the ones that it needs to be offensive to. Are you ready? God will always think more of you than your family does. God will always think more of you than your family does. So don't let family strife steal your joy and hold you back from the call of God on your life. The third area that Satan attacks us in. So first of all, we talked about how that he attacks our joy by trying to make us live in a state of constant lack. No peace, no security, not enough time in the day. We talked about how that he attacks our joy through family conflict, through strife, through division, and through war. And the third thing is he attacks our joy through physical, emotional, and financial pain. Things like disease, shame, bankruptcy. In the area of disease, in the Amplified, in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 5, here's what the Word says. Surely He hath borne our griefs, and then in parentheses it has sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly, that means in an unlearned way, considered Him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if God had put leprosy upon Him. So that's what we thought. And then verse number 5, the Bible says, but He was wounded for our transgression. When we thought God afflicted Him, it wasn't God afflicting Him. He allowed Himself. He gave His back to the smiters. Remember the whipping post? He gave His back to the smiters. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement of our peace and well-being for us was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed and made whole. So when the enemy tries to attack your joy through physical pain, you need to read him Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 5. And then in Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 17, here's another scripture you can read him. And thus he hath fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities and bore away our diseases. 
So when the enemy attacks your body with pain and racks your body with pain, you need to tell him, Jesus took that away from me. Jesus took that away from me. So then we go on and the enemy tries to attack us through shame. Here's a scripture for shame. Isaiah 50 and verse number 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Jesus bore the penalty of your shame. I preached a message here several months ago called No More Shame. Go on iTunes or Podbean or something like that, YouTube. Pull that message up. Listen to it again. Listen to it while you're walking, while you're driving down the road, while you're working out. Sit down at your computer. Dedicate a little bit of time. That message, no more shame, will set you free. We, I've downloaded 59 messages on Sermon Central. They asked me to start downloading in February. I started downloading. I download, I've downloaded 59 messages so far. Of those 59 messages, about 74,000 times they have already been used by other ministers. One of the primary messages that is used by other ministers on Sermon Central that the Lord gave me is no more shame. No more shame. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, listen, despising the shame, and is sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. So when the devil tries to shame you because of your past, when the devil tries to shame you because of failure, when the devil tries to shame you because of what just happened that you really need deliverance from, don't feel down and discouraged and depressed. Read him these scriptures. Read him these scriptures. Take the word of God. Make it a weapon. Use it for what it was intended and decimate the work of the enemy with the word of God. And then the enemy, he tries to attack our joy through physical, emotional Financial pain. In 2 Corinthians, we'll talk about finances. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor that ye through His poverty might be barely making it. Get enough money to, build, to pay the bills until next week. No, no, no. The Bible is what it is. It says what it says. And here's what the Bible said, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Why do you think there's so many people that fight against the message of prosperity in the Scripture? If I was the devil, I wouldn't want the church rich. Because if the church was rich... They would finance and fund the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world and there would be absolutely no stone unturned that didn't say when you turned it over, God loves you. So the enemy fights that message because he doesn't want the church rich. Jesus paid the price for our poverty. Jesus paid the price for lack. We can experience the blessing 
of the Lord which makes rich and it adds no, he adds no sorrow to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9. I want to read it to you in the Amplified. They don't have the Amplified up here, but I want to read it to you in the Amplified. For ye are becoming, this is this scripture. Go ahead and put it back up in the KJV. But this is this scripture in the Amplified. For ye are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His kindness, His gracious generosity, His undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, and that though He was so very rich, yet for your sakes He became so very poor in order that by His poverty, listen, you might become enriched and abundantly supplied. Look at your neighbor and say, let's receive that. Hallelujah. So when the devil tells you you're going to die broke, you just read him these scriptures. Come on. Hallelujah. You know what I found out about the devil? You read him enough scripture and he leaves. He don't like to hear it. He don't like to hear it. So when tra- Satan tries to steal, and, and Satan tries to steal our joy, and these are just three fronts that I've shared with you here this morning. Satan will try to attack your joy. He'll try to attack your joy through a state of constant lack, no peace, no security, not, not enough time in the day. Satan will try to attack your joy through family conflict, through strife and division, and through family war. Satan will try to attack, attack your joy through physical, emotional, and physical pain. And so here's what I want you to remember when you're under attack, when your joy is under attack. There's a few things that I want you to remember. Number one, I want you to remember where your joy comes from. Anything that God tries to get to you, Satan's going to try to either duplicate or take away. And so the enemy's going to try to take that joy away from you. We're in a time of the year where uh, it's a great and a joyous time and a time of giving for a lot of people. There's another group of people that this is a very difficult time of the year. It's a very painful time of the year because they're flooded with memories of people who have went on before and there's great loneliness and and there's great pain during this time of the year. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword here. You need to remember when you start feeling that, that loneliness, when you start feeling that pain, you need to remember where your joy comes from. I'll just go through it real quick. Philemon chapter 1, Philemon chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible teaches us that godly love results in joy. So you've got the apostle there, the recipient of someone loving on him with godly love, and the Bible talks about it giving, giving him strength. Did you know that when you love on someone with the love of the Lord that you are giving them strength? What if all of us just said, you know what, God, I want you to use me to make everyone I come in contact with today stronger in you. And you just started loving on people with godly love. That's number one. Second uh, John chapter 1 and verse number 12, the Bible teaches us that godly fellowship results in joy. When we get together with our brothers and our sisters and we talk to one another and we strengthen one another and we encourage one another and we lift one another up, then that brings joy to us. How many of you enjoy it 
when you watch your grandchildren or your children open those gifts on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. It just does something to you, doesn't it? I'll tell you something here. Some of you, I hope, please don't hate me. I was teasing my wife, so please don't hate me. But um, we were in Dollar General the other day, and, um, and she showed me this little thing that she bought for our granddaughter. It's, it's, you know, and if it's cute, Sophia has to have it. She's the first grandbaby, you know, and that's why I don't go in stores. But it's this little snowman thing that when you, you turn it on and when you touch it, it starts doing a little music. Well, Sophia loves music, and so she, she'll just start do, 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 like that, you know. And so Donna got that, and, and uh, she said, look what I got for Sophia. And she said, I said, that's just going to make her squeal and happy, isn't it? And she said, yeah. I said, I could have done that by just turning on the radio. <laughs> She's like, it cost a buck. Well, let's go buy it then. Let's, let's, I mean, let's buy a bunch more. No. <laughs> Pass them out at church. <laughs> the point that I'm making is it brings so much joy to us to see our, our children receive joy at our hand. To receive that grandbaby receive joy at our hand. It brings so much joy to me when when I can make my mom and dad happy, when I can make my mother-in-law, my father-in-law happy, it brings great joy to me when I can do that. You know, and, 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 we, and, and that's the thing. We need to understand that godly fellowship results in joy. What if we all just said, you know something? I'm going to try to make somebody smile today. I'm going to try to make someone's life better today. I'm going to see whose frown I can turn upside down today. Great fellowship. Great fellowship brings great joy. So we see, where does our joy come from? Uh, Godly love results in joy. Godly fellowship results in joy. I gave you scriptures for that. But I want you to understand that your primary source for joy comes from God. When Satan tries to steal your joy, you need to remember where your joy comes from. Your joy comes from the Lord. The Bible says in Psalms 126, verses 4 through 6, there's a, a, a three verses there, 4, 5, and 6, but here's what it says. God says that He'll turn our, our weeping into rejoicing and we will return with the harvest. That's what He says. He'll turn your weeping into rejoicing and you'll return with the harvest. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 says this. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word of God in much affliction with joy of or from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That tells us in the midst of affliction... The Holy Ghost can give you joy. In the midst of pain, the Holy Ghost can give you joy. In the midst of lack and trouble, the Holy Ghost can give you joy. When I'm mentally afflicted, when I'm financially afflicted, when I'm physically afflicted, when my life is afflicted, when my relationships are afflicted, the Holy Ghost can give me joy. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. 
Hallelujah. And the Bible said that God gave them joy so that they were examples to those that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. So I want to ask you how they were examples. I'll tell you how they were examples. Because the people in Macedonia and Achaia saw what they were going through and they realized if I was going through that, I wouldn't be laughing. I wouldn't have joy. Hallelujah. So what do we do when Satan tries to steal our joy? We have to remember where our joy comes from. It comes from God. It comes from great fellowship. It comes from godly love. It comes from the Holy Ghost. That's where it comes from. So that we got to remember that. We have to remember that. And then we have to remember with gratitude all the good things that God has done for us. We just finished Thanksgiving. There's so many things to be thankful for. I've heard this statement. We achieve, some say we become what we focus on. I don't want to be known as a person, if you're around Pastor Jonathan, then you're going to leave all down and depressed and discouraged. No, I want people to leave and say, when I was with that man of God, I felt the presence of God. I felt the presence of God. I felt His presence. I felt the glory of God. I experienced the joy of the Lord. That's what I want people, that's what I want people to sense when they're around me. That's what I want them to sense when they're around you. My goodness, you go to the Lakewood Church of God. You heard this morning, this church has influence in this community. That didn't just happen. This church has influence in this community because there's a lot of good people in this church that are getting out in the community and sharing God's love and God's care to this community. Come on, give the Lord a praise for yourselves. Okay. Now, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Give you a little bonus insight here. Joy and healing go together. Can you, I challenge you, find one place in Scripture where anyone was healed and that person said, oh, thank you. <laughs> the man at the gate called beautiful Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Peter reached down and lifted him up on his feet. And immediately his ankle bones received strength. And he went leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. He didn't just get up on his feet and say, Thank you, you're a good man. No, he went leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. Jesus heals ten lepers. Tells them to go show themselves to the priest. So they can get cleared to get back in the community. One turns around falls on his face before the Lord and gives him thankfulness and gratitude and, and, and all of that. And, and Jesus is saying, where's the other nine? He said, I don't know where they are, but right here I am. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going I'm to magnify your name. Healing and joy go together. Any place I've ever been praying for people where they received their miracle, where they received their healing, they didn't act like it was some little small thing. They were excited about what the Lord had done. They were excited that they served a God that still heals today, that still delivers today, that still sets free today. When we receive a miracle from God, when we receive our healing, that's something to have joy about. Hallelujah. So why... Do we not worship 
with joy. We do, but why does the church as a whole not want to worship with great joy? I received a communication this week from a a great man of God who's doing a, a great ministry overseas. And he shared with me a video that they did on the 18th of this month that had about 200,000 people in the video and it was called a prayer festival. 45,000 people gave their life to Christ on November the 18th. When that video was going through that crowd and those miracles were taking place and people were giving their life to Christ, do you think the people were just standing there like, oh wow, chalk went up for God. No, no, there were tears. People were worshiping. People were praising. People were magnifying God. They were glorifying the Lord. I'm telling you, there is great joy when God starts moving among His people. There is great joy, the Bible said, in heaven among the angels over one sinner that gives their life to Jesus Christ. You want to start a revival in heaven? Then win people to Jesus. You want to make heaven happy? Win people to Jesus. Great joy. Great joy. So I thought I would write down a few uh, little notes for some pastoral wisdom for the holidays. Some do's and some don'ts concerning joy. Because I want you to have a good holiday. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to love it even though you're not going to. Now Vic says we're going to get snow on Christmas because she's prayed and talked to God about it. (laughs) We're getting ready to find out whether she's really a woman of God or not. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. You know I'm teasing. You know I'm teasing. But I want you to have a great holiday. So here's just four sets of do's and don'ts that I actually put down yesterday for you. Number one, during this holiday season, no matter what happens, do, somebody say do, choose joy. Joy is a choice. Choose joy. Don't let the devil steal that joy. No matter what. Don't let him steal it through pain, through family conflict, through lack. Don't let him steal it. Number two, do. Somebody say do. Surround yourself with happy people. Don't surround yourself with negative people. You want to have a good holiday season? Hang out with the happy bunch. They don't have to be on Jack Daniels. One of my favorite shows is Moonshiners. I've never tasted it. I just like the way they banter back and forth and I love to see the woods. So I watch that show. And I'm looking for Donna's relatives. Because some of them are from Kentucky. So do... I have to go on a two-week vacation with her. I better be good. Do surround yourself with happy people. Don't surround yourself with negative people. The third thing. Do... Somebody say do. Take responsibility for your own actions and if necessary, rise above them. Don't... Blame everything else for what's wrong in your life. 
We'll say that again. Do take responsibility for your own actions and if necessary, rise above them. Don't blame everyone for what is everyone else for what is wrong in your life. And then the fourth one and the last uh, do and don't that I want to share with you here today is this. Do. There we go. You got it now. Reverence the Lord. The Bible said in Romans chapter 3, not Romans, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, that it brings life to your navel, which is the place where, you know, uh, sustenance comes from, and health to your bones. So it makes you strong. So reverence the Lord. Don't think that you can slack in this area and maintain real joy. So in the midst of the holiday season and for the rest of your life, for that matter, reverence the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more point. Here we go. Then we're going to pray for you all and have turkey. <laughs> oh, i got to be careful here because I want to preach. Hmm. This is, a whole, this is a whole message, what I'm getting ready to tell you right here. Are you all ready for this? When Satan tries to steal your joy, there's something I want you to always remember. Here we go. Uncommon battles mean uncommon victories and uncommon spoils of war. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uncommon battles mean uncommon victories and uncommon spoils of war. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find David and Goliath. David and Goliath, that's a great story. Now here's the thing that I want you to understand about this story with David and Goliath, the part that I want you to understand this morning, obviously. And, and here's, here, let, let's see if I can get this out right. Okay. David had already been anointed to be king of Israel when he faced Goliath. Now there's a lot of people today, they'll say to me, they will say, well, I don't know why in the world the Lord doesn't make a way for me because I've got the anointing on my life. I'm carrying the call of God on my life and every time I go out there and try to do it, I just run into giants. Kill them! <laughs> Overcome! Now, here's what I want you to see about this, okay? God had identified David as the next king of Israel. David had been under the horn of oil, which was the anointing from the prophet of God to carry that out. But Israel did not know it. And so God had to allow David to overcome a giant to declare that he was God's pick for the nation. Some of you guys don't understand why you're going, what you're going through what you're going through. Well, the reason is because God is setting you up for your future success. God is setting you up so that you can step into the place where the anointing that you already have that's inside of you and residing in you that's swirling around and you don't have any place to let it go and you're wondering, dear God, what in the world am I going to do? What am I? God, this is inside of me. Just give me an outlet. Give me an outlet. God has got to orchestrate your life in 
such a way so that those that you need to minister to can be open to the flow of the anointing that you received under the horn of oil when God picked you. Hallelujah. So the battle is not to make you strong. The battle is to identify you to your enemies that you're going to experience an uncommon war. Mm. Uncommon battles mean uncommon victories. There was nothing common about a young lad with five smooth stones from a running brook and a slingshot taken down the champion of the Philistines. There was nothing uncommon about that. There was nothing uncommon about David running toward the giant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You read it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Bible said that everyone else was hiding behind rocks. They were hiding behind caves and And here he was, he was out there being real boisterous and screaming and hollering and standing up larger than life, stronger than life, blocking the future of Israel. David's response was not, where's a rock? His response was, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. He realized that his his success was not wrapped up in what he could do, but in whose he was. Hallelujah. And so he goes before the king, King Saul, And Saul tries to get him to put on his armor and he says, I can't wear this armor. I haven't proved it. So the armor drops to the ground and he goes and gets the five five smooth stones and, and the slingshot and he runs toward that giant saying, there was a lion that came out and the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And I overcame that lion and he didn't get my father's sheep. There was a bear that came out. And I overcame that bear because the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and he didn't get my father's sheep. Now the same Spirit of God that helped me with the lion and that helped me with the bear is going to cause you to fall to the earth to this day. And everybody in Israel will know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. I told you I feel like preaching here. So when the enemy tries to steal your joy, when the mountain looks too big, when the giant looks too big, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that uncommon battles mean uncommon victories and uncommon spoils of war. That day, God identified David not just to Israel, but to the enemies of Israel as the successor to King Saul. So I feel by the Holy Ghost to make this statement right now. Instead of asking God 
to take you out of your situation, you need to pray that God gives you the grace to go through the process because there are things that God is trying to establish for you and in you and around you that are necessary in order for you to move into the fulfillment of your destiny. Hallelujah. I wrote this down here. I feel like I need to say it. I was debating on whether to say it. I feel like I need to say it. God will never cause you to war just for His entertainment. God will never cause you to war just for His entertainment. Every battle you fight, there's a purpose for it. You don't fight a battle unless there are plans to advance. You listening to me? So get your eyes off of just the battle around you. Let God fight for you. And start focusing on where this victory is taking you. Because once the enemy is defeated, you're going to have to orchestrate, administrate, and set up to receive a harvest. So many times I think that people go through battle, and they go through war, and they get victory, and they run right through the plunder because they're still chasing an enemy that's already been defeated. Sometimes we need to stop and pick up the plunder. The spoils of war. You need to let the devil know. If you're going to try to steal my joy, you're going to pay a price. If you're going to try to steal my family, you're going to pay a price. The enemy tried to steal Perry Stone's son through drugs. He sat in that hospital bed and prayed and prayed and bind, would bind the devil and fought the devil off of Jeremy. Finally, God delivered his boy, set him free, brought him back from the brink of death. And you know what Perry Stone did? He said, devil, you're going to pay for this. And he started a ministry there in Cleveland, Tennessee for young people that, that numbers in the thousands now. I bet the devil regrets the day that he ever lifted a hand against Jeremy Stone. And you need to have that same attitude with the devil. You mess with my family. You mess with my health. You mess with my finances. You mess with anything that's around me. You are going to pay a price. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going we're gonna to have uncommon war. We're going to have an uncommon battle. We're going to reap some uncommon spoils of war. You better not get too attached to that devil because the Bible said the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just and I'm the just. Hallelujah. It's time that we quit letting the devil enjoy what God's put our name on. Come on now. Hmm. I like these one services. 
We'll give you one more example. I don't want to read through it. I had, I had planned on reading through it. I don't want to read through it. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 28, we're talking about uncommon battles. There was a group of people that had come up against the children of Israel. And God spoke to Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. Through the prophet Jehaziel, King Jehoshaphat had knelt down before the Lord and he had cried out to the Lord and he said, God, they're, all, they're around us everywhere. The Midianites and, and all of them, they're, they're around us everywhere. God, they're, you know, and I don't know what to do. God spoke to him through the prophet Jehaziel, who was the son or the grandson of Asaph. Asaph was one of those that writes some of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. So he was the grand, either the son or the grandson of a worshiper. And God spoke to him through the prophet Jehaziel and said that we should send singers out. We should, we should defeat this through praise. And so Jehoshaphat gathered the people together and called a fast and they fasted and they prayed and they went out against the enemy with praise, singing. The enemy turned and ran. They were pursued. They were defeated. Long story short, they were defeated. The children of Israel through an uncommon war, through an uncommon tactic, through an uncommon battle were able to gather together uncommon spoils of war. Now let me say this right now. Let me say this right now. Come on, Charles. Let me say this right now. Some of you all are one praise away from your victory. You say, well, I just don't know what everyone would think about me if I just went ahead and gave God a good shout. You're in a Pentecostal church. The reserve churches are down the street. And a lot of them are going to heaven too. But I'm telling you right now, what I need from God is more important to me than what y'all think about me. So if I got to cut a little run to get it, kick off my cowboy boots, shout across the stage, whatever I need to do, if I'm just one praise away, then he can have that praise today. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy my salvation. I'm going to enjoy my relationship with the Lord. I'm going to enjoy the fact that I can worship and praise and magnify his holy name. And in turn, the heavens will open and he'll pour his power and his blessing down in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to stand to your feet all over this place. And I want you to leave the lights on. Leave the lights on. I want you to stand to your feet. Now listen, if Satan has stolen your joy, I don't want you to be shy. I want you to get out from where you are and get up here right now. Come on. Come on. If the devil has stolen your joy, get up here. What are you waiting on? Get on up here. Come on, right now. Right now. Come on. Hallelujah. It's time for breakthrough. It's time for breakthrough. 
Come on. It's time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been miserable long enough. You've fought with depression long enough. You've fought with discouragement long enough. It's time for uncommon breakthrough. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.